Merry Christmas. We are so excited to have you on our final uh, weekend service. We're going to do the Christmas Eve service coming up, Christmas Eve Eve in person, right? Uh, and we are excited to, to celebrate Jesus. And I want to read a segment of text here that sets up our subject for today. Today's talk is Love Came Down to Save Us. And uh, I really think that it exemplifies, well, just listen to the words here. Matthew 1, 18, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Isn't it comforting to know that Jesus, the unimaginable, tangible expression of love from God, came down to save people? John 3, 16 and 17, right? This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. To save the world through him. See, I hope you know Jesus this Christmas. And if you don't, you need to make that decision today because it transforms your perspective of the love of God like never before. Embrace his love today. Today is your day to choose to follow Jesus and make him your savior. Again, the angels said, we've referred to it the last few weeks and sang songs around it, but Luke 2.11 says that from the angel's mouth, the savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, the savior. And just as Jesus was born in that manger in Bethlehem in a physical form, the Son of God come to live fully man was born. Jesus challenged us that by choosing to follow him, we could be born again and have that new moment, that incredible transforming moment of being saved. See, that's what happens spiritually. But the idea today that we're unpacking is that love came down to save everyone. This is, this is key. This saving is key. And I remember like it was yesterday, the moment when I made a decision to confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
it was a rock bottom moment in my life. Uh, it had been working, uh, I'd been working myself up to making a decision to follow Jesus. I was in church for a few months and I just got to that moment where I, I was ready to say yes. And the journey leading up to that was, was painful. But in that moment, it's like wisdom came over me. In that moment, it was like I realized Jesus was Lord and that he could save someone as sinful as me and that I needed to follow him the rest of my life. I chose him to be my savior. I was no longer going to try to do it on my own. Life became quite different after that in a positive manner. Things looked clearer. My mind was sharper. Uh, I instantly had the strength to overcome the addictions that I had lived in and were old, uh, really my identity, unfortunately, and that I wasn't proud of. Uh, and I had, I had all of a sudden life and life to the full, peace of mind. For the first time in many, many, many years, I didn't wake up regularly questioning where I was at the night before, how I got home, what I did and what I'm gonna hear about. And uh, I was very grateful. I was very grateful for that moment. And that was my being saved. Like Jesus literally rescued me. And I don't know if you've witnessed a great rescue lately. If you watch the news or follow stories that are happening in the world, I love those moments where somebody is, maybe they've come out of the woods, they've been lost in the snow for days and there's been search parties hunting for them and, and all of a sudden they are found. I mean, can you think of one of those moments? And there's rejoicing. There is, uh, there's people all over the place. Usually a line of cars from the search party are there. And there's this reuniting. Uh, or maybe you watched the moment where a very skilled helicopter pilot lowers a basket on a cliff that's like impossible to get to. And these amazing heroes have gotten to this moment of being able to assist someone onto a stretcher to, to be rescued. And you witness this on, on the news or on TV and you're just like, how is this possible? Well, if you look at the entire scene, if you look at what's going on around, the, the family's celebrating, even though they've just gotten back their loved one that looks in really bad shape. The Everybody in vests, the rescue team is celebrating. Uh, you, you've got just the police are celebrating that are usually doing the talking on screen. This is what happens when we're saved by Jesus in the faith. I hope that builds a visual for you of what it is to, to be saved because everybody's involved. Therefore, everybody is celebrating. And that's the way the kingdom of God is built. We have a savior, but man, we are all involved in this reality that God promised us a savior through his son, Jesus. And he actually followed through and sent his son, Jesus. And he is the savior born for us to save us. We sing it in the holiday, right? To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Tidings of comfort and joy. We are saved. So I just wonder, what do you need saving from? I mean, we all get lost for different reasons. We all we all get to a moment in our life, if we're honest, where we need saving. So what do you need saving 
from today. Love came down to save everyone. And love came down in a way that to save us from wandering. I want us to think about this word wandering. Matthew 18, 12 says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it's not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Not even one. God's desire is to save everyone. And usually when I read that segment of text, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm focused on Jesus being that shepherd going out and saving the one. And it's like a, a passion to save the one type challenge when, when I'm in that text. And that's kind of how God's always shown me that text. But preparing for today, talking about how love came down to save us, all of a sudden that word wander jumped out to me. That's all that happened here in this scenario. What happened was the sheep wandered. One wandered away. So, so the shepherd went after the one that wandered. And I want to take some time today, and I actually want to contemplate what wandering might look like. Like, how did the one wander? The sheep are all good in the, in the field. The other 99 were just fine in the story. Like they have a shepherd. Uh, if you do your homework, John 10, 10 says they probably knew their shepherd's voice and their shepherd could have easily called out to the one that was wandering off. In fact, if there were an enemy, uh, if there were any sort of a wolf or a distraction, uh, he would have been able to say, uh, hey, don't wander off or don't run away. And it probably would have got the attention of this sheep. So we kind of know that, that the sheep just wandered. That's it. Like there wasn't some dramatic buildup or story that Jesus was trying to build to exemplify how much he loved and he would battle the wolf to get the one. You know, no, it was, it was he's just demonstrating here that wandering is way easier than we probably anticipate or imagine. In fact, it's interesting how much of our faith is, is repetition and, and discipline and, and we've got a rhythm to our faith and things throw that rhythm off. Man, maybe, maybe not going to church like normal for eight months would result in wandering. I'm being cynical, it would, right? It, even just changing the day we gather has for some resulted in, in a season of wandering. It's, it's an abnormal rhythm. We're not dialoguing with people the same because we're separated by a cloth on our face. And it's like, it's resulted in this spiritual wandering. We get out of pace and the change impacts us. So God gets that. In fact, Jesus put this story here to encourage us because how easy it begins for us when we start missing church to look up eight months later and say, I'm lost. I thought I was doing okay. 
but oh my goodness, it's been weeks since I've actually even turned on a sermon or watched it. Man, I haven't filled out a connect card or a prayer request. I've kind of been doing this all by myself and that's why I feel the way I feel right now. Maybe that's why some of the things happening in my life are happening. I'm, I'm alone and I need to listen for the shepherd's voice again because he's calling me home. That's what he's doing. He's calling you home. Some of you are new to this rhythm of the faith and you're like, well, there's no way I'm ever going to wander. I, I hope, I pray that's true. But there, what are some of the things that we can put in place in our faith so that we don't wander? I mean, we should be considering how to prevent our faith from being susceptible to wandering. We can prioritize God's God's church, I and mean, we read the stat from the Gallup poll last week that the, the one category of human being in our country that is having a, a positive mental health state right now are those who are in church every week, and it's either physically in church or online, but they're, they're making it a priority to be in a rhythm of their faith. They're not lost. They're in the flock, and it's, it's pretty simple to really wander-proof our faith and have a rhythm that we're, we're going to grow our relationship with Jesus. We're going to connect with God and each other. We're going to serve God and each other. We're going to share our lives with God and each other. And those practices are going to put us in a place where we're less prone to wander. We're in church. We're getting in relationship with one another groups. Our families are connected with one another. We know how we're doing and what struggles we're facing and we're not facing them alone. We need to learn to make excuses for the things that it would interrupt our rhythms of faith. Well, what am I, that just came to me while I was praying about this talk. I'm like, man, we need to stop making excuses for why we weren't at church. We need to start making excuses for the things, to say no to the things that would pull us away from church, pull us away from the faith. No, I'm not going to say yes to this because I am going to feed my soul and I am going to love my Savior and I am going to seek God because I don't want to be in a place of wandering. I had a visual uh, come to me that I was just like processing out loud and I'll share it with you. Maybe it'll resonate with somebody, but it's a visual of a maze. And uh, I love Survivor. We've been like avid Survivor fans in our house. And and one of the things that Survivor will always have a great maze. Sometimes they'll do it blindfolded. Sometimes they'll uh, do it where they have to guide their partner through a maze or they'll just race through a maze that's really confusing. And uh, it'll be for like one of the final competitions. But I love mazes. And there's, there's always a prize at the end. Uh, even if it's a, a mouse, there's going to be cheese at the end. And, and it's like life has given us this maze called 2020. And we thought at first, last March, man, I am going to get through this maze. No worries. This maze is going to be about a two-week maze. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get in here. And, and we still had our plans and we still had our goals. Our, everything was in place. But as the year threw, threw us farther in the maze, we just kept hitting dead ends. And it's like, man, I, I, I could have thought I went this way and there was no wall there. Now I'm, I hit a dead end and then I turned and there was a dead end. And, and we get at this place in the maze where maybe some of you that are watching right now, you've tuned back in because it's Christmas. Maybe you haven't engaged in a while and you're like, 
at the point in the maze where you sat down instead of continuing to pursue the end and find the finish and get the prize you said i guess i'm just gonna pause and i'm gonna pause right here in the maze and hopefully there's a day where the walls fall down and the obstacles are no longer there and and i'm gonna find my way out but as the days have grown to weeks you realize you're just all alone in the middle of a maze <laughs> You wandered, and now you've accepted where you're at, this state of lostness, and you're listening and you're just hoping for hope. This is Jesus reaching out through this talk saying, there is hope. Get back up again, because I have a plan for your future. I have a hope for your future. We need to again look to Jesus and the steps he's establishing for our lives we need to get up because we have a savior. And if we pursue him, he will save us from this state of being lost. Luke 19, 10, right? The son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. We just need to admit, okay, yeah, I wandered. I'm lost and I need to come back to you, Jesus. I need to listen to you afresh. I need to hear the voice of the shepherd encouraging me to come back to the flock. And let's get up and pursue our faith with a fresh zeal. With a fresh zeal. Uh, our shepherd Jesus finds us. And we're tired. And we're confused. And we are battered. We probably maybe in the faith look like one of those people rescued off a mountain that's been in the wood for 10 days eating nuts and drinking out of streams. And we just kind of like not ourselves. That's okay. The key is we're saved. Jesus saves the wandering. Love came down to save everyone and he came down to save you personally. I hope you grasp that today. I love it how it says in, in a couple different passages. First, 1 John 4, 14 says, Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. With our own eyes. Personal experience with Jesus is pretty critical. It's one thing to know that God loves everyone, like head knowledge. Yeah, I know that it says God loves everyone, right? That he sent his Son for them. But it's a whole nother thing when we personalize it. When we're like, oh, he came to save me. I, I am worthy of saving. Our faith is personal. And if and when we're the one who wanders off, Jesus is coming after you. Um, you're not alone. He'll always send others for you, not just himself. Uh, and they will come at just the right time, as we talked about last week. He has come for you personally, just as you can read through the Gospels. I mean, you just look one person after another is being saved from disease, from sorrow, from death, from loss of their child. Jesus comes to the demonically possessed that are abandoned to themselves in graveyards. The craziest stories. He comes and it's his compassion and his love that brings them to a place of being led by the Savior of the world. 
Jesus has come for you personally. And uh, there is a call on each of us to not only embrace that love and pursuit, but to uh, open our eyes to the world around us and, and give away the saving that we've experienced. And I think the picture of this that best captures me is the woman at the well story. Jesus finds himself, and you could read it in John 4. I'll just read a touch of the conclusion today. But he, he says to his disciples, I, I had to go through Samaria. Like he felt compelled to go through a certain area that no person would ever go through, uh, uh, no Jewish person would ever gone through Samaria. So he's like, I could have gone around it and would have gone around it. But he had to go to Samaria and why? He needed to have an appointment one-on-one -on -one with a woman at a well. One person. And he said, I had to go through Samaria. And what happens is he has a conversation with her and it, it transforms her and reveals to her that he is the Savior. And it says it this way, when, when the town finally makes their way to Jesus, this is what we see in John 4, 39. It says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, so this is their testimony of faith. Listen to this. Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Now we've had a personal experience with Jesus, so we believe. Like we, we thought maybe this was the Savior, but now I heard, saw, experienced personally the Savior of the world, and I believe. But the cool thing is, this woman who was living in sin that's described early on in John 4, you can read it, she comes and, oh well, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to tell everybody that I think I just met the Savior. She shared her faith. Saved people save people. <laughs> to save those who are wandering, to save those who are lost, and allow Jesus to lead us back to himself personally, just like this moment. Man, we must take ownership of our faith and be moved by those who need Jesus as well. Right now in our time, Jesus wants to save you personally and your entire village, I guess, if you're looking at this text. Like, what's your village? Who's around you? Who's in your blast radius, right? Who are your relationships, your neighbors? Jesus has compassion on each of them personally. And the good thing is he's put you in their life. What a powerful thing to, to be able to share our story to others who need it. Our, our action, we have two action steps today. First action step is we need to follow the Savior Jesus. We need to follow the Savior Jesus. We need to confess Jesus as our Lord today. If you've never done that, today's your day. We're re-upping. Uh, we're committing that Jesus, I'm going to follow you as the Savior of my life. Not just know you as the Savior of the world. I'm going to follow you personally as the Savior of my life and I'm gonna let you transform my days. I guarantee you will never regret the decision. And the second 
action step is this. Share Jesus' love with others. Take that fresh faith or maybe reawakened faith today and begin to share your personal experience with others. Not your knowledge. Faith isn't just built on knowledge. Well, I, I know God wrote this in the scriptures and, and you can read it. Share your experience, your personal experience. And, and I, I don't know, don't just say, well, you know, uh, do actions out of love. You know, I, yeah, I gave some toys to somebody in need. It was just an act of love. What if we would do both the act of love and share why we're doing the act of love, our personal experience that led us to love. That's our testimony, wherever we're at. I just, God has loved me, therefore I'm going to love. He loved me by sending his son, Jesus. What transformation could happen to your circle of influence, your village? I'm praying for both of those actions this week. I pray for your family, I pray for your health. And we're going to lift those up right now. I want to call us to action. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word here online. Whether people are watching on an app or YouTube, Facebook, I pray right now, those who are watching that do not have their faith actively following you, Jesus, as their Savior, would pause right now. And they would confess you as their Lord and Savior today. Simply pray this prayer with me. Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I, I want saving. I don't want to wander any longer. I do not want to be lost. I want to get back up and live life freshly again. And I, I, I follow you today, Jesus. God, I pray that we could celebrate with them as they share in the comments even. Man, I prayed that prayer. I'm, I'm choosing to follow Jesus today. He's my Savior. And God, I pray as well for those that, that are, are here watching this today that need to share Jesus' love freshly. They need to share Jesus' love with others the way this woman did at the well. Just out, the, her personal experience she shared. I pray you would give us clarity on our personal experience. What are you doing in our lives right now? The hope you're giving us right now in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of uh, all the, the polarized spirits and attitudes out there in the midst of the things that are going on in our world. You're giving us hope. How do we express that to others in loving ways this Christmas? I pray that God, you would allow us to do so, that we could share your love with other people in a very clear and tangible way and give you all the glory for it. Use us as your vessels to reach out to those who are wandering who are lost, who need to get back up again. And I give you praise for what you're gonna awaken in our life as we serve you and serve each other, as we connect with you and connect with each other, and as we share our lives with you and share our lives with each other. The best days are yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. We'll see you on Christmas Eve, Eve in person or Christmas Eve online. Bless you.